Good morning again. Good morning again. There's one of you awake at this point. Nah, it's good to be here. If, if, if this is your first time or you are uh, coming back from vacation, wherever you may be at, we're in a summer series called The Unexplainables. The Unexplainables. And this is kind of just based upon... Uh, you know, summertime, summer blockbusters, superhero movies, and there's a big one out this summer, Incredibles 2, uh, and it's about this family, uh, just a normal family, it seems like they are, but they have superpowers. They're, they're superheroes, right? And I, I shared before, I like superheroes. I'm kind of a comic book nerd, and if you're not, that's okay. You're still showing up, so that's good. But, you know, I think The Incredibles, why it's such a popular movie is because it's just a normal family and we can relate to them and yet they have these superpowers and they do amazing things. We like superheroes because they set things that are wrong in the world right and they do things for good and not for bad and yet most of us, if we will admit it, I mean, it's not too hard to do so, we're not superheroes. But I think we're something better. We're not The Incredibles, but I actually think we're something better. We have the opportunity, if we walk in the way that God's called us to walk, live the way that God's called us to live, we have the opportunity to be the unexplainables. What I mean by that is, and what we mean by that in this series, is that our lives, our love, our servanthood, the way that we live, the values that we carry, the ways that the world would see us, are so supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit that people, when they see us, People, when they observe us, people, when they receive love and servanthood from us, it's unexplainable to them without Christ. They can't figure it out. It doesn't make sense to them logically on a worldly way why we do the things we do, why we live the way we do, being the unexplainables. The big idea throughout this entire series that we've been talking about is that the supernatural power of God that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if, if you said, I believe in you, Jesus, I've placed my hope, my trust in what you've done on the cross and your resurrection, his supernatural power comes in you. And it's truly unexplainable, but it's livable. It's livable. That God wants us to live unexplainable lives, and he wants us to be able to do this for his glory. And so we've been looking at a letter showing us what it means to be one of the unexplainables. A letter from the Apostle John to the church. And I shared with you that John, by the time he writes this letter, is an old man. Grandpa John, as I've been calling him. And he's, he's seen a lot, and he's been a part of this from the beginning. He walked with Jesus for three years, and, and he was his beloved friend. And he, and he also stewarded over the church, and he's writing a letter to a group of churches, we believe, telling them this is what it means to follow Jesus. The purpose of this letter, unlike his gospel, the gospel of John, is not to convert people, but it's to tell people who believe in Jesus what it looks like to live for him. And so as we've been going through this now today, Today, this week, we are in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 15. If you would turn there with me, if you don't, I'm going to read it out loud as we get started. But 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 15. <coughs> the, uh, the title of the section of my Bible above this says, Do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For it is all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Would you pray with me? Father, as we spend time with this piece of your word this morning, Lord, just open our hearts, open our ears, Lord. Put away the distractions that our enemy would love to have so that we would be able to hear from you this morning. Lord, speak through me as your servant. I can't do this on my own. It's all up to you. And Lord, allow your word to reach hearts and change lives. So our very presence here this morning, that we are here this morning, would transform us to when we go out to the world, we would be transformed closer to your image and be able to share the love and the truth that we see and we hear this morning with those in our walk this week. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So how did you guys all do this week with the rain? Good, bad? It was pretty crazy, wasn't it? Now, what I'm about to share, I'll fully admit, full disclosure, that for some of you, I know, and, and certainly people in our community, their experience this past week was way worse than mine. But I'm up here, so I'm going to talk about me. <laughs> so, I think it was Tuesday night. Uh, I'm in Lydia's room, or maybe it was Monday night. It doesn't matter. And, and we noticed that the paint on her ceiling was bubbling. And so we pushed on it, and it just kind of fell down. I thought, oh, that's a little weird. And then I noticed it could just peel right off. I thought, that's really weird. So I put my hand up there, and it felt cold. And so we crawled up into the crawl space, and sure enough, it was leaking. The vent pipe that goes up to your roof had the, the boot around there, as I learned, it's a boot. You know, it's a new word for me. And it, was, it had worn out, and it was leaking, and water was dripping down onto her ceiling in her, in her bedroom. And if you don't know, obviously I'm new here, so this house is brand new to us, right? Um, we haven't yet even paid our first mortgage payment, and we have a leak, so I'm pulling myself up into the crawl space, and I'm, I'm picking up sopping weight, wet insulation, right? And I'm putting it in a bag. And you know what comes in my head during it? Do not love the world or the things of this world. <laughs> yeah. And I would love to say as your pastor that I had this just sanctified moment where I was like, thank you, Lord. I so appreciate your scripture and the way that it brings me perspective in this moment. And if I said that to you right now, I would be lying because it just made me more angry. (laughs) You know, I did not love the world. In fact, I immediately was like, oh, I don't even know why we have to have a stupid house and one leak and we haven't even paid a mortgage payment yet. This place has already fallen apart. The guy should have caught this during the inspection, blah, 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 right? That's where I'm at as I'm angrily shoving, you know, sopping wet insulation into a garbage bag. I mean, that's, that's how it is, right? Okay, everybody else is more holy than I am, but that's where I was <laughs> this week. And I will tell you, in that moment, it was not hard to not love the world. In that moment, it wasn't. I mean, it was, it was not hard for me to look at this passage and say, yeah, I don't like any of this. I certainly don't want this house. I don't want anything to do with this world. Father, just take me home. <laughs> right? In those moments, you don't necessarily don't have to struggle with this. Or 
If you had a bad day at work, you know, or heck, even the commute to work, right? It's easy to say, I don't love this world. I certainly don't love that guy in front of me, right? We have these days, and even Mr. Incredible, yeah, even Mr. Incredible has days where it's not hard for him to love the world. Bad days at work. Check out this clip from Incredibles 1. Sit down, Bob. I'm not happy, Bob. Not happy. Ask me why. Okay. Why? Why what? Be specific, Bob. Why are you unhappy? Your customers make me unhappy. What? You've gotten complaints? Complaints I can handle. What I can't handle is your customers' inexplicable knowledge of InsuraCare's inner workings. They're experts. Experts, Bob! Exploiting every loophole, dodging every obstacle! They're penetrating the bureaucracy! Did I do something illegal? No. Are you saying we shouldn't help our customers? The law requires that I answer no. We're supposed to help people. We're supposed to help our people! Starting with our stockholders, Bob! Who's helping them out, huh? You know, Bob, a company... Is like an enormous clock. Is like an enormous clock. Yes, precisely. It only works if all the little cogs mesh together. Now, a clock needs to be cleaned, well lubricated, and wound tight. The best clocks have jewel movements, cogs that fit, that cooperate by design. <laughs> I'm being metaphorical, Bob. You know what I mean by cooperative cogs? Bob? Bob? Look at me when I'm talking to you, Par! That man out there, he needs help. Do not change the subject, Bob. We're discussing your attitude. He is getting mugged. Well, let's hope we don't cover him. I'll be right back. Stop right now, or you're fired! Close the door. Get over here now. I'm not happy, Bob. Not happy. He got away. Good thing, too. <laughs> you were this close to losing your... Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, I'm not going to ask how many people wanted to do that to their boss this week. But even Mr. Incredible can have a bad day where probably in that moment he's like, I don't love the world or the things of this world. And we all have those bad days. We all have those moments. We all have those, those putting wet insulation moments into a garbage bag where we don't love the world. But the truth is sometimes we love the world a little too much. Sometimes it's easier to love the world. And getting back to what John says about being someone who's unexplainable, sometimes it's so easy to love the world more or the things of this world more than we love the Father, more than we worship God, more than we follow him. We may not think that that's the case. We may not actually see that happening in our lives, but it's natural for all of us to have a moment where our affections, our trust, our faith, our hope migrate, where they shift toward the things of this world. You may not believe that. You may say, oh, that would never happen to me. Let me ask you a question. You have a stack of bills on your desk, and your checkbook has no money in it. How do you feel about life? Or you have no bills, and your checkbook's full. 
It's pretty easy to say, I love money in that situation. It's very easy for your affections to drift towards that. It's very easy for us to have affections towards sports and that to become the primary thing in our life and, and, and to fill up our schedules. It's pretty easy to have our kids have things every single week and that to fill up our schedules where before you know it, we don't have time for the Lord. It's very easy to ascribe our hope and our trust into our checking accounts or how nice our house is or what kind of car we're driving or what people think about us or our reputation or the next promotion. It's so easy to grip in those things and fall in love with those things where before you know it, our pursuit, our desires, every moment of every Every day is fixated on one of those things. It's natural. If it wasn't natural for this to happen, I don't think God, by his Holy Spirit, would have inspired John to write about it. But John gives it to us. John says, to not love the world in these situations or the things of this world, to have a perspective different from that is truly unexplainable. It really is. Let's take a look again at what he wrote. He wrote, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do not love the world. John's saying, the world's never going to give you, folks, what you need. It's not. It's never going to give you really what you need. And the world here, he's not talking about creation. He's not. He's not talking about how, you know, no, don't love creation because creation is beautiful. God created it. There's a lot of things in the world that's very, very beautiful. The nature is beautiful. The things of this world that God created with his hands is beautiful. In fact, when God created it, the scripture tells us after he was done, he said it was what? Good. Yes, sin has corrupted it. Yes, Creation itself is groaning for its redemption at the end of the world, as Paul tells us. But yet, creation is good, and it's not that we're not supposed to love it. He's not saying, don't love the people in the world, the creatures of the world. God created them. He's not saying, do not love the world, so therefore don't like anybody. Which sometimes can be easy if you're on the road and people are driving nuts. But, but he's not saying that, because when God created human beings, what did he say? He didn't say they were good, he said they were very good, Right? So he's not talking about that world. What, what John's talking about when he speaks about do not love the world here in our passage this morning, and he's, he's telling us not to love, not to idolize, not to put our trust, not to put our hope in the things of this world, the thoughts of this world, the values of this world, the behaviors of this world, all of the systems in this world that are contrary to God. In fact, I think that John means don't fall in love with the things that pull your heart away from God. Don't put the things of this world in front of God because the things of this world, the systems of this world, the behaviors of this world are actually evil systems. They're broken systems since the fall and they're under the grip of the prince of this world, the devil. And if we ascribe our love to those things, if we fall in love with those things, if we put our trust in those things, look what he says. If anyone loves those things, the love of the Father is not in him. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. The, last week we talked about the love of the Father, this vertical relationship with him, and, and the horizontal love of our neighbor. And John says that when you are pursuing that which is in the world to the point where that is where your hope, your trust, your fixation is upon, that the love of the Father and what the Father is calling you to do gets pushed aside and it's no longer in you. And guess what? 
It's the, it's the natural part of our human heart to love and to be loved. And we are given desires and affections. Those are natural too. But John says very carefully in this first part of his passage this morning, he says, if you put your heart and you put your love to the things of this world, you're choosing the wrong lover. And John wants us all to be cognizant of the fact that we need to choose our lover carefully. Not the, to, to choose the love of the Father, not the Father of lies. Because you know what? Here's the deal, folks. If we give our love to a lesser provider, we're never going to receive that which will truly satisfy us. We're never going to be fulfilled. We're never going to experience what the Father wants to give us. And here's the thing we need to know before we go further. This passage this morning is inherently a spiritual battle. And don't believe for a minute that it's not. Because Satan wants you to fall in love with the things of his wor this world. And as we're about to find out, what his ploys are, are predictable and they're consistent throughout scripture. But God, through, through John, is telling you, fall in love with me because here's the thing. For that which is in the world... The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. Those things of the world are not from the Father, but from the world. So John is saying that the things of the world, the things that are oriented in the world, and, and the truth is most of these things that the father in law of lies wants us to fall in love with, most of these things of the world, if we're honest, if they're not about the Father, you know what they're directed to? Us. The things of this world are focused on us. They're self-centered. And you know what? The more we fall in love with the things of this world, the more our focus is off the Father and more on us, the more the love of the Father and that, that relationship with him, to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as we talked about last week, and to love your neighbor, the more those relationships break down. Because the more we fall in love with the world, the more our hearts are pulled away from the Father, the more those relationships with him and others break down because those relationships are replaced by our pursuit of that which will never satisfy. And so as we look, he says, these three, these three things are the things of the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. At our time this morning, I just want to talk about these, four, these three things. The first one, the desires of the flesh... The desires of the flesh appeal to our appetites. The desires of the flesh are our cravings. There are lusts. There are passions. There is the desires of our flesh, there are, the ap there are appetites. There's a, there's a part of us that's created to hunger for these things. And, and here's the problem, though. If we choose to fulfill those appetites by choosing to seek after the way the world does things then that we choose to fulfill those appetites through broken measures. We are, we're given a sexual appetite, but you know what happens when we choose to pursue that, to, to, to have that appetite quenched in, in worldly ways? Immorality. We're given a physical appetite to eat and to drink, but you know what? If when we pursue that in the ways of the world, you know what happens? It's very simple. Gluttony. John's saying there's things of this world, and they're natural things, but the world wants them to be broken. Satan wants you to choose to fulfill these appetites in ways that were never meant to be. And there's fundamental appetites, right? There's food, once again, sex, 
shelter, sustenance, nurture. We, we need to be nurtured. All these things are good. Listen to me. All these things are inherently good. As God who's created us, created us to have these appetites. But if we seek to fulfill them in the ways of the world, then something happens. They become broken appetites. And when you love the appetite more than the one who provides what you need to fulfill the appetite, you're walking into the ways of the world. You're fulfilling your appetite in ways of the world, and the love of the Father is not in you. You know what it looks like to seek after the desires of the flesh through a broken appetite? It, seek, it means to have a fixation on self-gratification. That's what it means. That means rather than seeking the love of the Father, you're seeking after self-gratification. And whatever the appetite is that you're fixated on, that becomes the primary focus of your fulfillment in life. Folks, this is true. People that have a broken sexual appetite, it can consume them. People that have an appetite and they, they need to fulfill it with food, it can consume them. People that have a broken appetite and choose, and choose to fulfill that appetite by drinking too much or shooting something, it can be a, get to a place where that way of the world consumes them and the love of the Father becomes a dim light in their life. Self-gratification. And here's the thing. Appetites are just like children. Follow me. If you don't say no to them every once in a while, soon you'll be overrun by them. And the more you give in to your appetite in a way that is opposite from the will of the Father, it has a tendency. Am I the only one who's experienced this? It has a tendency to move to a place in your life where it has preeminence over the love of the Father. He also says it's the desires of the eyes. The desires of the eyes. Our eyes are made to look at things. And there's beautiful things in the world. And our eyes are ma- aren't inherently evil, but because of the fall, even the desires of our eyes can be corrupted. And when we idolize what we look at, or we idolize, as I see in our culture so often, looks, perception, we move into a place in our life where what we're, look, what, we're, what we're pursuing becomes something completely different than what God wanted. What I call the, uh, the desire of the eyes in our world that I see so often is the need for approval. The enemy will go after our need for approval every time and we will seek in ways to get people to see us in a way that justifies who we are. We'll seek after the approval of others so the desires of our eyes is that they see us the way that we want to be seen and we will seek to fulfill that need for approval from other people rather than from God. If you don't believe me, what I find so often is people will find, rather than finding peace that they're sons and daughters of the God Most High, rather than finding peace that they were created in His image, rather than finding peace that God so loved them that He sent His Son, rather than finding peace that God delights in you, you become fixated so much on whether, how do people see me? How do people perceive me? And you know what we end up doing? We end up getting into self-image management. Maybe I'm the only one. You know, what, you know what you know if you're fixated on this? If you're fixated on self-image man, image management? If God's love has been consumed by your consumption of the, the approval of others, it means manufacturing your reality. And thanks to 
think that to the 21st century, we have a way to do that so easily. <laughs> Don't we? Can't we manage people's reality of us? Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. It can just be a way that we put our highlight reel out there and nobody ever knows what we're really dealing with. Nobody really knows what we're really doing. And, and before you know it, trust me, there's some people, maybe not everybody in this room, but there's some people in this room today who've taken three selfies to get it right. Yeah, maybe five. Some, there's, there's a teenage girl somewhere in this room that's got that duck face just perfect and knows just where to hang that phone to get the perfect shot. We can image, we can, we can create a manufactured reality of our image. And you know what happens sometimes in Christian life? Listen to me. This is going to blow you away. Sometimes Christians manufacture who they are so that they can get the approval of other Christians. And rather seeking God to change them, they manufacture a false, uh, a false Christianity, a false holiness They become somebody who pursues works righteousness rather than the righteousness of the Father. It happens in other churches, probably not here. But in other places, that's where people deal with. I've shared with you before, I'm a pastor's kid. I know how to get people's approval and say, oh, look at that Daniel. He's such a good Christian boy. But in the meantime, I've got their approval, but inside I'm dying because I'm pursuing the things of the world that will never fully give me what the love of the Father would. We want people's approval. And John goes on and he says, the third one of the world, the system of the world that we, we choose to love, we choose to chase after to find our rest in rather than the love of the Father, it's the pride of life. The pride of life. For some of us, that's just ambition. Listen, if my reputation, if my public image, if the way that people sees me is more important than giving God glory or loving my fellow man, then ambition may be the idol that has replaced the love of the Father. It may be. If, if um, I'm willing to cut corners, if I'm willing to trample over the people that are in my way or do things just to get ahead, it's, I, know, I know somebody may get hurt and you know, they don't get the promotion, and I did, but you know, I may not have done it ethically, but I did it because I, I needed rise to the top. I'm, I'm better than him anyway, and I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Or if we're willing to short-circuit the time with our family or the time with our spouse because our job is more important and we got to get to a place where our job is, is, is where we... Guys, I'm talking to you because sometimes men, we, we have a way to get our identity from what we do and we're willing to push everything else away so we can get to the top. If that happens to you, chances are maybe your ambition's becoming more important. Maybe you've stepped into a place where you've become self-absorbed. That's what the world wants you to do. That's what the system of the world wants you to do. Don't you realize every single thing we get most of the days of the week is is make yourself happy, right? It's okay as long as it gets you ahead. The the American way is to pull up your bootstraps and and rise to the top. And our ambition and our, our, our chasing after that could sometimes take away our love for the Father and we put that as what's first in our lives. Pride of, pride of life could also be the pride of our possessions, our car, our house. 
how much we have in the bank account. The more that we have, the better we feel. And if I just, this is, this is what the pride of life looks like, this self-absorbed life. It's, it's sentences like, when I get, or if I could just get, then everything would be good. If I could just get that promotion, then I would be settled. Man, if I could just get that car. We may not say these things, but they're the things we think about. We think about our status symbols, and they they become our identity, our degrees, our reputation. Where we serve in the church can be one. Yeah, for some of us, the pride of life is if I don't have a title that sounds important in the church, it's not worth serving. It's not worth using my gifts. It's the pride of life. It's allowing ourselves to be self-absorbed rather than pursuing the love of the Father and finding all that we have and all that we need in Him. It's this ambition. There's kind of a shadow side to ambition. and It's kind of strange. Even when it came up this week, I thought it was a a little strange, but I'm going to share it because I I, I feel like I should. Within the millennial culture, and I'm kind of half a millennial, so I'll talk to myself here. But there's, there's this idea when it comes to ambition that young people have to do something that matters. Like, like we're told in school, like, we have to do something to truly make a difference. And, and then you also hear, like, if you do a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Right? And anyway, um, <laughs> not going to go on that tangent. But, but that's what we're taught. And here's the thing, as I've worked with youth, as I've worked with young adults, as I've worked with people, we, that our generation and the generation below me has, has somewhat gotten stalled by this idea because we've made the ambition, if you're not making a difference by how you work, that you're not worth doing it. And you know what? I know tons of 20-year-olds that aren't doing anything because none of the opportunities they gave are going to make a difference And I have to make a difference. Otherwise, I'm not doing what I was created to do. And I was told in school that I could do whatever I wanted to make a difference. And here's the thing. If you get to that place, God is is trying to say to you this morning, he's trying to say, no, even though that's a, a, a really good thing, a really good pursuit, what I'm trying to show you is that if the love of the Father is your primary pursuit, then no matter what your vocation, I can use you there for my kingdom. And I want you just to do the best job, whatever you're doing, whether you're slinging fries, whether you're mopping a floor, whatever it is, I can use you. And the shift in our hearts and our lives and our ambition is not if I can get to the top, if I can get the next promotion, to God God has put me in this place for this season to do this job, to earn money and to earn income. But my primary purpose here is to be a person that represents Jesus Christ in this place. And Father, use me for that. And I'll tell you right now, rather than being self-absorbed with whatever you're doing, you will find fulfillment because you're there for his purposes, not for some grandiose picture of making a difference. It's the way things work. These appetites, these approvals, these ambitions, this this desire of our, our flesh, the desire of our eyes, the pride of life, these three things... These are ways of the world that steal away from us the, self, the, the, the uh, self-satisfaction that we were designed to have in the love of the Father. And it's not new. This is, the, this is what the devil's been trying to do from the beginning, these three things. Scripture's so consistent about it. Let's take, for, let's take a look at Eve just for a second. The fall. 
Way back in Genesis 3, look at this. The desire of the flesh. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what's the desire of the flesh? Hunger, right? Oh, that tree, I know God told me not to have that tree, but it's good for food. It's a desire of my flesh. And, and even though the love of the Father said, I'm going to provide for you in every other aspect, well, this one looks pretty good too. The desires of the eyes. Look what, look what Genesis says next. And it was a delight to the eyes. Well, it looks nice. It's good for food. It's, it's good to the eyes. And the pride of life. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. After all, after all, you want to talk about pride, didn't the serpent promise us, promise her that if you ate it, you will be like God, knowing good and evil? This is where it's at. You'll never, be, you'll never reach something greater if you do this. It looks good. It, it, it would fill my appetite. It is, it's desired. It's going to make me something better than I am now. And yet you fulfill those natural things of appetite and, and approval and, and ambition through ways that God never intended that if you would stay away from those things and choose him as the provider, you would have everything that you need. And Satan's consistent. Fast forward all the way to the New Testament. Jesus is taken out into the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil. Take a look at this conversation between him and the devil in Luke chapter 4. The desires of the flesh. John tells us, and he, Jesus, ate nothing during those days. Forty days he was fasting. And when they were ended, he was what? Hungry. He had an appetite. I'm, I was sharing this morning at Sunday school. I'm hungry after three hours. I can't even imagine what it would be after 40 days. And the devil said to them, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Fulfill this appetite in a way that God didn't intend you to. Fast forward, Jesus again, the desires of the eyes. Look at the second temptation. And the devil took him and up and showed him, had him look at all of the kingdoms of the world in that moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this authority and their glory. For it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. Here's what I want you to do. Look at all this. Look at, look at all that you could have. Look at it with your eyes. Isn't it desirous? I could give it all to you like this. Just reach out and take it. It's yours. I don't care what the father said. I don't know what, I don't care what the father, how the father wants to fulfill you. The desire of your eyes, look at all these kingdoms. You don't have to go to that cross. You don't have to die. No, you can be the king on the throne right now. Look at the final thing, the final temptation, the pride of life. (laughs) If you're really the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. His temptation, pride of life. If you really are the son of God, then you probably have all these angels around that you can, you can command. Prove it. Prove that you're the top dog. Go ahead and do it. It's the temptation, Eve. It's the temptation, Jesus. John says it's the ways of the world, the prince of the world. Satan, 
who is a deceiver from the beginning, whose main aim is honestly not to give you what you desire, not to fulfill you, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But he masks it in these natural ways, and he asks us to seek after him and his ways and the ways of this world to fill us rather than seek after the Father, to be fulfilled by the ways of this world. He promises that there will give us everything we need. He promises that you don't need anything else besides these things. And if we're not careful, we start to seek those things rather than the one who wants to be sought to fulfill our lives, to shape us, This is what John's saying. If you want to be unexplainable, then you have to seek after the love of the Father because this is what he says in his final part of this passage this morning. Because the world is passing away along with his desires. But whoever does the will of the Father abides forever. Folks, the ways of the world, these false ways we seek to fulfill ourselves, The road that they lead to is death. They're passing away. And we think that they're going to bring us fulfillment, but they're not. We think they're going to bring us satisfaction, but they're not. We think they're going to fill the void of love that we need in our hearts and our deepest desires, but they're not. They're going to leave us with emptiness because there's nothing there. They're passing away, but the one who abides in the Father who seeks his will, seeks first his kingdom, all these things will be added. Isn't it great how consistent God is? How much he wants us to, how much he wants to give us. That we would be called his children and that he would give us the things, but we seek after these false things. And what God's really calling us to do as unexplainable people is to have, as the title of today's message is, unexplainable hate. Unexplainable hate for the things of this world, hate for the things of the devil. Not the good things that God has for us, not the love for the Father, but to really have a place inside of us where we have a growing distaste for the things that are the false goodness in this world. God wants to create that in you. So that when you pick it up, you're like, I can't even have that. When I've had this, and I've tasted this, and I've seen this, it could never be better than this. This tastes awful. That's what the Spirit wants to do in each and every one of us. Give us this unexplainable hate. And what does that look like? What does that look like practically this morning? What does it look like to have an unexplainable hate? To be someone who's unexplainable. Here's a list that I have this morning. Just read them to you. Allow these to seek in. The world says, the ways of this world that we're supposed to walk away from, says teach your children to love themselves, to fulfill themselves, no matter the cost. Self-esteem is the number one thing we got to give our children. The word, the way of the Father says, teach your children to love and obey God. And fulfillment and right behavior will be the fruit of their pursuit of him. The world says, look like a model. Really, deal with your appearance so your physical appearance looks great. Make it an idol. Abuse yourself so that you look as good as you can so people will see you and, man, they'll think you're something else. You guys, you know, as you can see, I'm pursuing that every single day. But, um, but here's what the Father says. The Father says, treat your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. And cultivate inner beauty. That's truly unexplainable. 
The world says offer acts of service. Be a servant when, it's, when you feel like it. And only do it on your terms. Because that's, that's really, you know, you can serve, but only do it if it makes you feel good and if it's convenient. But no, what the Father says, be a servant even when it's uncomfortable. And even do it when it's inconvenient. Inconvenient. That's what it means to be truly unexplainable. That's what it means to pursue his way. The world says stay married as long as your spouse meets your needs. As long as, as long as they're meeting your needs, you know, you stay married to them, you stay true to them, you stay in love with them. No, but the Father says, the way of the Father, the love of the Father says serve your spouse the way that Christ modeled servanthood. Give all of yourself to them. Choose to love him or her no matter what for life. That's unexplainable in our world. The world says come across powerful, influential, interesting. Always puff yourself up. Make sure in every conversation you are the one-upper. I, I can't stand those people, but that's what the world says. The Father says give preference to others in your words and your actions whenever possible. Always consider others above yourself, it says in Philippians. The world says use worldly wisdom to accrue all the wealth you can have. Use everything that you've been given in your mind and your skills just to get richer and richer and richer. But the Father says, if you want to experience my love, value true wisdom, which is the fear of God. Value that more than any treasure in the earth, and I will give you everything you need. The world says, stay up to date with the right fashions, the right things to do in your house. Make sure you got the countertops that are, you know, granite, and make sure the cabinets are this color, and make sure you got the tile floors, and make sure you're driving the right car. Make sure you're doing all of these things. Stay up to date with them. Make sure that you're, you're on this all the time to make sure that you don't miss somebody's picture of the food they took or the cat video that they just shared. Stay up to date with all of it because it's very important. Otherwise, your life will never be fulfilled. You're laughing, but is it, is it not true? The world says, the, the love of the Father says, be content to have everything you need from me. And not worry about what the Joneses are doing. Worry about what the Father is calling you to. The ways of the world are passing away. But the love of the Father. And those who walk in the love of the Father. They abide forever. And so for you and me, if we want to be unexplainable. If we want to seek after the Father rather than the world. We say we choose not to do the will of the world, but we choose to love and receive love and follow the will of the Father and these other false gods. We have an unexplainable hatred for them. We know that they will never provide the desires that we need, even though day after day, moment by moment, they seek to call us. Which one's defining you this morning? If you think about it, which one's the one that you struggle with? Appetite, approval, ambition. Which one has you? If you're honest, if you take a moment, just take a moment this morning and think about it. 
Which one is your place to seek fulfillment rather than the Father? Which love are you pursuing? The desires of your flesh? Does it have a grip on you? The desires of your eyes? Does it have a grip on you? The pride of life? Does that have a grip on you? It's offering false security. It's offering false satisfaction. It's offering something that God wants to give you something more. He wants to give you himself. And I encourage you this morning, rather than pursue those things, say to the Father, I don't want to pursue this anymore. I want to give it to you and fill me in that area, whatever that need, that false thing is trying to fulfill. Give me more of you so that I have a hatred for that which is truly bringing death to me. Because if we do that, we become unexplainable. Pray with me. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the ways that you're uh, shaping us and molding us. We thank you for the, the spirit right now as we are gathered here this morning for your spirit pointing out to us the places in which we seek after that which is not of you, Lord. Lord, I ask for everyone in this room who, who knows, who just knows right now where it is they're, they're pursuing the world, where they're loving the world and the things of this world rather than the love of the Father. Lord, I thank you that you, right now, if they would just offer that to you and say, Lord, just take that away. I want more of you that you will do that. Lord, let us be a place, let us be a church where if it takes more than that, if, where we, if we need people to walk alongside us as we, we slay those false appetites and we, we kill those false ambitions, Lord, let us be a church where people can be open and honest with one another about our struggles as we walk through this, as we pursue you together so that we see freedom and life as people walk in the love of Christ, knowing that each and every one of us deals with this because it's a spiritual battle which the enemy wants us to fall into. And as we walk together as a church, let this be a place where people can come and be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit in the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, may us walk, may we walk in freedom from these things for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I encourage you to, to dig into this this week and come back next week as we have another week of the Unexplainables. It's been so good to be with you this morning. Uh, don't forget, we have something 2 o'clock, right, at the Gosses? 2 o'clock? Great. So we'll see you next week.